Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's episode is presented by State Bags. State Bags makes beautiful, well-made, inclusively cool products while using the power of business to get back to shift the narrative around social injustice. For every state bag purchase, State Hand delivers a backpack, packed with essential tools for success to an American child in need. But their commitment goes beyond simply material donation. State, bag, state Bags has your back. And part of that commitment is making a difference in local kids' lives. To get you ready for your commute or wherever you're traveling next, State is offering our listeners 15% off their next purchase at statebags.com using the code POD. That's 15% off your next purchase using the code POD, P-O-D, at statebags.com. Statebags, they have your back. Hey guys, this is Eric and Jessica Carrier, the hosts of the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast. And you're listening to the Monster Legend Podcast. to Monster Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner. Again, joining me this week is Amanda Surbay. Hi, everyone. God, I hate my last name. I think it's pretty cool. It's like the motorcycle. Davidson. So, this week, we're going over British Columbia. Yep. So, the history of British Columbia begins with the First Nations people. 
who have lived and flourished here for thousands of years. Damn. Native art, culture, languages, festivals, and history are important parts of BC's culture's cultural makeup. Everywhere you travel, you'll see indigenous tank names for towns, cities, rivers, lakes, mounds, and forge. Some of these names go back many thousands of years. The city names Night Almo, Kamloops, and Chilliwack, for instance, are all derived from indigenous words. British, Spanish, Russian, and American explorers began to visit the BC area in the 1750s. In the first half of the 19th century, the Hudson's Bay Company expanded the west of the Rocky Mountains and set up the post for trading fur and other goods. In 1849, Vancouver was colonized by the British. Soon after, the gold rush attracted tens of thousands of people to the interior of BC. BC was a British colony until 1871 when it joined Canada. In 1885, the Canadian Pacific Railway was completed opening the country from east to west. The railway increased trade and the movement of people and resources from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. The 20th century was a time of expansion and growth. Major dams were built to power a growing province. The Trans-Canada Highway was completed, allowing for easier movement of goods and services. Many people moved to BC to take advantage of the quality of life and abundant economic opportunities. In 2010, BC hosted the Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games in Vancouver and Whistler. Hmm, I didn't know that. I know Vancouver, I didn't know Whistler. Whistler. Or whatever you said. Yeah, yeah, Whistler. So, monsters. What monsters? So, um, we read a little bit earlier. I tried to do this once before. Failed miserably. Failed miserably. <laughs> but from the, um, from what we read. From the first attempt. Yeah, it was a lot of, like, a lot of mountain ranges and valleys and a lot of, like, rivers. Yeah, a lot of different climates and how, what they export and import, what yeah. their main source of food is, which is salmon and different fish. Yeah. They're known for the fur trade, but, which is horrible. Oh, fur trade? I hate the I guess. I'm an animal person. Killing poor little animals for fur is cruel. I guess. Well, the plants. Plants have feelings too. That that is true. Don't tell my mom that. <laughs> oh, but knowing like the environment in BC, what kind of monsters do we think would be there? Probably more lake or rivers or ocean because they're surrounded by so much water even if it's narrow water it's going to be a lot of that type of monsters and because they have forest i'm thinking kind of like bear like creatures or something like that well you're spot pretty spot on and the only one i remember us starting well getting to was uh the sea monster or lake monster the silky And Canadian folklore, Silky, transcribed English from Halakamiluna, local indigenous language, the lake monster, reported to have lived in the swamps of what is now Chilliwack in British Columbia, Canada. Silky has been allegedly seen by the Stolo First Nations people for hundreds of years, 
Most common inscriptions of Silky is a 10 to 15 foot long sea surfed like beast with the head of a horse. Most research descriptions talk about how the creature was snake-like with two heads. Mostly black, um, mostly black, the serpent had red circular designs. The primary summer shelters for the Sotolo people, I'm murdering that so bad, was in the form of a longhouse. Although some modern longhouses were built with gabled roofs, most Stolo longhouses were built with a single flat but slanted roof, similar to the <clears throat> Zatamang. Again, I'm sorry for butchering that. Um, longhouse. Entire extended family would live in the longhouse and the structure would be extended as the family expanded. Some of the longhouses in the local um, Stolo villages were defined by large house posts with silky designs accented with red paint. One of the first Caucasian settlers of the region, Isaac Kemp, reportedly saw a silky and spoke out. He was told by local Stolo people, never turn turn your back on this beast, saying, don't turn around. If you do, you'll be sick. I wonder what they really meant by that. Uh, like, would you drop dead? Like, would you get a disease? Like, I wonder what... They really meant with that phrase. Let's look at the reference. There's not much in the reference. Another more famous, probably like sea monster, river monster, Ogopogo. You haven't heard of Okapogo? Mm-mm. Canadian folklore, the Okapogo, or Augie, is a lake monster said to inhabit Okanagan Lake in British Columbia. Canada, uh, some scholars have charted entities development from First Nations folklore and widespread water monster folklore. Motis. Motis. The Okapogo now plays a role in the commercial symbolism and media representation of the region. Hmm. That's interesting. And that's all it really says about that. There's more. That's what I was yeah, I got background. You want me to go background? Yeah, we'll read the whole page. Okay. <clears throat> Okamini Lake is the largest of five interconnected freshwater uh, four-jord lakes in the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia, named after the First Nations people who first inhabited the area. It was created when melting glaciers flooded a valley. 10,000 years ago. It stretches for 127.1 kilometers or 79 miles and has a maximum depth of 232.3 meters or 762 feet and an average depth of 75.9 meters or 249 feet. Okinawa, um, the, I can't pronounce it and I feel bad for murdering it. Um, has frozen over during eight winters in the last 110 years. Oof. Freezing. The next one is a has a clip to it. It's a song. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not playing. I meant info. Yeah. It has songs to it. Origins of the polydromic name Ogopogo remain unclear. 
According to historian Mark M. Horkin, according to Cannon, he, the creature received its name on a night in 1924 when strains of an English music hall song were first heard in the city of Vernon, British Columbia. Horkin cites the following lines from the song. His mother was an earwig. His mother was a whale. A little bit of a head and hardly any tail. And Ogopogo was his name. Orkin, however, notes that a somewhat different form of the song appeared in the Vancouver province in 1912, August 24th, 1926. According to DC, the name was first applied in 1912. Additionally, the creature may sometimes be referred to by the pet name Augie. Smaller creatures may be referred to as Ogopumps. Oh, this one's a long one. Okay. According to Radford, the Augie is more closely tied to native myths than is any other link monster. The Yeah, the Sycamore sec- whatever, I can't pronounce it. It's another lake monster, I think. Mm. Or natives, actually. Uh, Silent natives regarded the Okapogo, which they called the Nick- Nikita as an evil supernatural entity with great power and ill intent. The word Nikita has various translations such as water demon, water god, or sacred creature of the water. In native war, Nikita, I can't say it, demanded a live sacrifice for safe crossing of the lake. For hundreds of years, First Nations would sacrifice small animals before entering the water. Oral traditions often describe visiting Chief Tim Basket who rejected the required sacrifice, refuting the existence of the demon. Upon entering the lake on a canoe with his family, Nikita whipped up the surface of the lake with his long tail, and the canoe and its occupants were sunk to the bottom of the lake. Oh, shit. Yep, you don't screw around with tradition. Um, The Nikita was often described as using its tail to create fierce storms to drown victims. Local lore claims that Sir John... Lampton killed a worm from the lake, which resulted in all of his descendants coming under a witch's curse, which would not allow any Lampton to die in bed. That's an interesting curse. Like died in an accident or a shot. Yeah, he's not allowed to die in his own bed peacefully. Yeah, he's not allowed to die a peaceful death. That's, that sucks. In um, 1855, shelter. John McDuglin claimed that his horses were sunk down into the water and nearly um, his canoe before he cut the line. Um, the Katina was said to reside in caves under Rattlesnake Island, aka Monster Island, or adjacent, uh, or adjacent to Squally Point. Whew. Susan Allison's 1872 signing with the first detailed Ogopogo account from a white settler. She was the first non-native person to live in the region establishing relations with native peoples. While driving on Highway 97 in 1968, Art Folden noticed something moving in the lake. He pulled off the road and filmed what he claimed to be footage of the alleged creature, showing a large wake moving across the water. Folden estimated that the Okapogo was 300 yards offshore. A computer analysis of the footage included that it was a solid three-dimensional object. Folden noticed something large and lifelike in the distance out of the calm water. A pilot home care to capture the object. A 2005 investigation conducted by the Benjamin Bradford with Joe Nickel and John Kirk 
from National Geographic Channel TV show, Is It Real? Utilized surveyor boats to find the actual distance of the alleged creature from the shore. They found that it was much closer to shore than originally thought, resulting in the reduction of actual size and speed. Then concluded it was likely a real animal, but its size had been greatly overestimated and it was probably a waterfowl, otter, or beaver too far away to be identified. In the 1980s, a local tourism agency offered a cash reward for a proven sign of the beast. Greenpeace hmm. announced that the beast must be filmed and not captured. Algopogo was listed as an endangered species. In 1980, around 50 tourists watched as alleged Algopogo for about 45 minutes off a beach at Kilinoa. Uh, Larry Atai, a tourist from Vancouver, shot some 8mm film of it for only 10 seconds. Some skeptics have suggested it is only a pair of otters. In 1989, John Kirk reportedly saw an animal which was 10.7 to 12.2 meters long and consisted of five sleek jet black humps of flashing tail. He believed it to be traveling around 40 kilometers per hour. On July 24th, 1992, videotaped something or some things that were traveling just below the surface of the water at a fairly good speed, estimated at 8 kilometers per hour. A boat towering a water skier suddenly appears in frame. And skier falls into water near the object. Within several minutes, Demara made two other videotapes, each showing what appeared to be multiple animals in the water. Benjamin Radford, Radford says that the creature was only several otters. 2005 FBI video specialist Grant Fredericks concluded that the object was very consistent with debris from a fallen tree in the water, knowing that it very slowly bobs up and down. Also pointed out that the alleged creature did not react to the water skier, and the skier did not seem alarmed. In 2011, a small a cell phone video captured two dark shapes in the water. A suggested explanation is the video shows two logs. Radford analyzed the video for Discovery News and concluded that the video quality is poor and the camera is shaky. A closer look at the 30 second video reveals that instead of one long object, there are actually two shorter ones. They seem to be floating next to each other at slightly different angles. There are no humps, nor head, nor form, only two long, darkish, more or less straight forms that appear to be a few dozen feet long. In short, it took a long, a lot, it looked a lot like floating logs. Should not be surprised since Onaga Lake has tens of thousands of logs harvested by the timber industry flown just under the lake surface. Hmm. In December 2018, there were probably Three sightings, one of which was described as a giant snake that was about 15 meters long. According to Spectic author um, Benjamin Radford, commentary sightings of the Ogopogo were most likely misidentifications of waterfowl, order, or beaver, adding, the First Nation stories were not referring to a literal lake monster like Ogopogo, but instead to a legendary water spirit. Though the supernatural... Uh, Nakita of the Aquad Valley Indians are long gone, a decidedly less fearsome and more biological beast whose exact form is a matter of debate has replaced it. Joe Nickel and Benjamin Raffer proposed an origin in claims of sightings in wildlife in the region. Waters often swim in a row, and their motions can often be mistaken for one continuous serpent. Raffer pointed to John Kerr. Uh, 1989 sighting as likely being a group of otters. 
drugged and are often mistaken as lake monsters, but their existence in uh, Okanagan is unclear. There is currently an unclaimed $10,000 reward for concrete evidence of Strugan and Okanagan. Um, Benjamin Radford has pointed to water sprouts as a likely source of inspiration for na uh, First Nation myths. Water sprouts are fairly common on Okanawa Lake, often forming when air temperatures drop and the lake has a relatively warm water temperature. That was a mouthful, and I really suck at pronouncing words. Well, we'll go over some more science at Okapogo, but let's talk about Halloween. We had a Halloween last night. Yeah, it was fun. We went to a haunted house. The first, yeah, it was really good. It was. Except for waiting for two hours in line. Yeah, it was kind of cold, and we were both not really dressed for it. No. But. Um, it, was really, it was really well done. I like the, they were really good at the costumes. And okay, the Michael Myers scaring the women in the bathroom was freaking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> With the chainsaw, that that kind of made my night. And uh, Frankenstein, I'm still, still really good. Yes. No, the little kid did not expect the Frankenstein to get up. They got zero. <laughs> yeah, he's like, is he hurt? I felt bad for that poor kid. He screamed through almost the entire thing. Yeah, and uh, we had the little jigsaw doll. Yep. Yeah. They had that. They had dancers. They had people wearing black costumes with the lights. Those were really cool. Yeah. Strobes are not my thing. They yeah, disoriented the, the crap out of me. That one room. Especially the white, there's like a white room with strobe lights, and someone says it's okay to wear a white costume in there, like I can actually see you. Yeah, and then they grab your feet. That tweaked me out just a little bit because I was in sandals, yeah. like an idiot. But I look cute. You look adorable. You're like a Komodo cat. Yep. Nico. Uh, I don't know what that was. I was like a zombie or something. Yes, we made you into a zombie with face paint. Last minute ideas. I just want to be a shadow. I just want to be like a shadow person. <laughs> you would need a lot. But I hope everyone had a safe and help, uh, safe Halloween and enjoyed their night. Yes. I'm about to buy me some candy. We have lollipops right here. Lollipops? Where? These are all little Tootsie Pops. Tootsie Pops. They're all different flavors. There's like 18 different flavors of Tootsie Pop. There's mango, there's lemon, there's lime, there's black cherry, grape. Grape? Down here, grape shit. There's blueberry, there's tangerine, there's orange. Tangerine. Okay. Um. That's good. So, oh yeah, there's a wolf, so, there's a little wolf, um. Oh, that was adorable, a little kid dressed up as a wolf with the red riding it's hood. It's a really good mask, he had a really good mask on. He actually was behind me in one of the pictures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had his mask off though. But, let's get back to the oh, oh, speaking of Halloween, uh, Don't on, ha on Halloween, uh, I sure this new Halloween special. Yep. yep, came out on Halloween. It was very good. 
we listened to a couple of clips before we went to the haunted house. So definitely support all the different uh, podcasters that are on there. Yeah, really great people, really talented people, much more talented than me. Or me, <laughs> and I haven't even started yet. <laughs> About to. <laughs> we'll get into okay. that later. All right. Earth reports of uh, Okapoko sightings. In 1873, the first recorded sighting by Caucasian was by Mrs. Susan Ellison, a BC pioneer and author near her home, Sunnyside Ranch, which is the location of today's Quells Gate Winery in West Kelowna. Mrs. Ellison was very specific in her description of seeing a snake-like creature <coughs> that's closely mirrored the often repeated local native legend of Naha Itik, the sacred spirit of the waters. In 1926, occupants of about 30 cars, okay, from 1873 to 1926, that's how many years? That's like... About 60, maybe a little. Yeah, yeah, about 60. Six years have passed and no signs. And uh, 1926, occupants of about 30 cars along an Okanaga Mission Beach reported seeing Ogopogo. In 1947, it's about... 20, less than 20 years, 19. 19 years later, uh, a number of boaters, all, all creatures, boaters all saw the creature at the same time. One of them says, a miss, Mr. Cray gave a detailed description. Had a long, sinuous body, three feet in length, consisting of about five edulations, apparently separated from each other by about a two-foot space, in which a part of the edulations would have been underwater. The, there appeared to be a forked tail, of which only one half came above the water. From time to time, the whole thing submerged and came up again. In 1959, Mr. and Mrs. R.H. Miller and Mr. and Mrs. Pat Martin were seeing a tremendous creature with a snake-like head and a blunt nose swimming some 200 feet behind the motorboat. They watched the unknown animal for about three minutes after which it submerged. 1964, a Palmer family member was able to take a photo of what they say Saul in the lake. Your unknown, Jeffrey Tauser, the son-in-law of British Columbia Premier W.A.C. Bennett, B.C. Premier from 1953 to 1972, before seeing the quote, seeing the quote, creature, quote, quote, I understand it. 1976, Ed Fletcher of North Vancouver reported being able to take a photo of what he saw in Lake Okanagan. 1978, Bill Stunky. Sorry, Bill. Uh, <laughs> oh, was crossing the bridge from the west side of Okanaga Lake in October of 1978 toward Kalawana. He caught a movement in the lake and immediately stopped his car. All trapped behind him also stopped. I was like, fuck you, dude. From the time you got them brakes for. All trapped stopped and, and, and also stopped. And he was soon joined at rail by about 20 other onlookers. All 20 or so people saw what appeared to be a head with three black humps behind its perhaps 60 meters away protruding out of the water. Bale and onlookers watched the creature swimming for nearly a minute after which time it disappeared beneath the water surface, leaving a substantial wake. Simon made a believer out of Bill and he vowed to try to one day search for Ogopogo. 1978, 1979, 1981, photos taken by author Arlene Gall. 
Okay, next one. I know, I'm trying to get back there. Starting at the 2000s. Oh, 1981. Okay. I went a little too far because I started skimming. Okay. It was right around regatta time, July um, 24th, 1981, around 1 p.m. We were in a rented ski boat and we're running on the west side of the lake in the vacancy of Peachland, just a bit northwest of the tip of Rattlesnake Island. A water skier had just passed us going fast in the opposite direction to us when suddenly increased your um, surface directly in front of us facing a northeasterly direction. We saw no head, just a body. My thoughts began that the head might be laying flat just below the surface. At first I thought it was the wake of the other boat, but then realized that the boat's wake was gone going the other direction. As we came closer, the creature broke into a fast pace, um, undulating motion. I pointed our boat directly at it, but as we neared it, the creature dove, causing a large, frothy whirlpool. I turned the boat around and could see the creature two or three feet below the water. It moved at great speed at less, at least halfway across the lake before it dove deeper and out of sight. The creature was at least 50 feet long and seemed to be either very dark green or black. There's a lot of freaking sightings. In 1984, photos were taken by a Stevenson family member. In 1986, signs reported by www.okopogoquest.com in the summer of 2018. I've not reported this story publicly before now as it's just too unbelievable. This sighting occurred in late July of 1986. I was paddling a canoe near Ellison Provisional Park, and my two girls were trolling for fish. They were about eight or ten years old at the time. Since it was dusk and the stars were beginning to be visible, we began to head towards the dog beach at Ellison to head back to camp. It was a warm night. The lake was smooth as glass, and it was a very quiet evening with no boater boaters. <coughs> we were about 100 meters from the beach when we noticed a rounded object on the water. The object was not moving. I think it was something like a play toy or an inner tube. I decided to paddle over and investigate. As we approached, the first thing I noticed was a strong, dishy smell. When the boat or the canoe was within a meter or so of the object, I noticed it was about one foot wide by four feet long and had two rows of arrowhead-shaped scales running its length. It was a dark green color. We sat there a few seconds and I asked the kids to reel in their lines. Then we heard a kind of moaning or low growling noise. Uh-uh. We realized that about five to ten meters <coughs> further ahead, there was a large head facing away from us, silhouetted against the dark sky. This appeared to be about the size of a horse head and appeared to be have horizontal critical shaped structures like horns. My kids turned to ask what this was and I said, Algapogo, and it's <laughs> at this juncture, realizing what I just said, my hair stood straight up. My older daughter freaked out and demanded we head to shore. No, yeah, blame her. The creature appeared to notice us. Most of us were there and slowly moved away. Did not move with any elations, but slowly moved with the head and hump in the same position. Its movement seemed consistent with the idea, idea of a large body under the water. And luckily under my canoe and a long folding neck. 
After moving off about 50 meters, it turns as to take a look at us and then submerges. The whole incident lasts about two minutes. I did not have a camera in the boat with me, but was just too shocked as they kept trying to use it. We often return to Ellison Park to camp and paddle, but I've never seen anything like that again. Thank you for providing this support venue, www.okopogoquest.com, website, John. In 1989, hunting guide Ernie Crow and his wife saw a bizarre animal emerging from the plastic waters. It was about 15 feet long and swarm, swam real gracefully and fast. Grew to the press. Grew claims to have seen the animal with a brown head like a football. At one point, several feet of the creature's neck and body came out of the water. They're all saying it's different sizes, which is kind of fishy. In 1987, people are really bad at judging sizes. Mm, yeah, completely. 1987 to 1990, John Kirk had frequent sightings over a period of three years. In 2000, a Pensatin businessman and his wife apparently watched the head and the neck of a large creature swimming through the, the water for several minutes while boating off Grouse Snake Island near Peachland. Again in 2000, the following was reported. At midnight Monday, six adults, including four security guards, spotted a large, a strange-looking creature at the end of Bernard Avenue. The four-meter long creature was with four flippers to each side forward like a caterpillar. Hey guys, this is Heather and Kristen, the hosts of Sinister Sweethearts podcast, and we want to share with you a little bit about our show. If you're looking for fun banter between old college sweetmates about all things paranormal, sinister, weird, and generally creepy, check out our podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. A minister and his wife was hiking in Calamari Park on the west side of Annika Lake near Kalawana when they spotted a strange creature swimming on the surface of the lake and took its picture. Again in 2000. Year 2000. Remember, God, I feel old. Remember, remember that bit from Conan? Mm-mm. In the year 2000. I'm going to show you. I'll show you later. Yay. Visitors from Prince George, British Columbia, were walking in Bertram Creek Park south of Kalwana. They suddenly saw a disturbance in the lake approximately 300 feet out. What appeared to be a huge log was moving parallel to the shore against the waves. They estimate it was about 40 feet long and watched it for about 30 seconds before it disappeared. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's weird that moving, like, for something to move against the waves. Yeah, it, it's difficult. You can do it, but it's not the easiest thing to do. All right. A marathon swimmer, Darley Ellis, reported being accompanied by a short distance during his swim by two large creatures as he passed Rattlesnake Island. He described them as being six to nine meters or 20 to 30 feet long and the second being smaller. They followed him for quite a while and then disappeared. <clears throat> When he swam near the Roganali Lake floating bridge in Kalawana, a creature with a large eye the size of a grapefruit came within nine meters to get a closer look at him. Mr. Ellis's sighting was painted by a local artist with police sketch artist training. Oh. Want me to read the next one? Yeah. <laughs> 
James Ivy writes that he saw the creature while he was vacationing in uh, Okanagan Lake Providence Park in August 2000. And Girl and I were sitting on the beach talking all night long. At around 5.30 a.m., soon after daybreak, I left the beach to use the public restroom. As I was returning to the beach, I looked outwards towards Rattlesnake Island and saw the what looked like a submarine surfacing. The girl to whom I had been talking also saw it as well and was pointing towards it. It looked to be about 100 feet or so in length and it was traveling very fast. About 30 seconds later, it went out of sight heading towards Pecton. It looked like it had a wake behind it, which may have made it look appear longer. It was clearly not a wave since the lake was almost like glass that morning, with clear skies, no wind, and mid-temperatures. Uh, the few waves there were were very small and extremely slower than what I saw. It was silent, faster than any speedboat I had seen on the lake earlier that week, but with no sound. It was obviously not a speedboat. 2002, Dan Busborough of Beachland saw a strange phenomenon twice and took photos both times. The first was on July 19, 2001, exactly one year later to the day. He was able to take the second image as well. Can't see anything. Okay, I'll see nothing. Exactly. While filming a doc. I'll do the next couple more. No, I'm doing it. I already started. Okay, whatever. While filming a documentary on Okapogo, a film crew uh, consisting of 14 people, including Bill Scroot, all saw what looked like two or three humps udulating in and out of the water at almost the same spot where Bill had first sighted what he believed to be Okapogo over 24 years before. Jeremy wrote to the legend hunters to tell us that his grandparents saw the creature in August 2003. It was around 12.30 p.m. to 1 p.m. It was a clear blue sky day. My grandparents never go out on cloudy day because my grandpa, grandma is afraid of storms. Aww. They were in their boat and suddenly a long black object with humps swam by them. It swam so fast the boat started to rock very badly. My grandparents were pretty freaked out so they drove off but then what seemed to be like two creatures started to follow them and actually bumped into their boat. After a few moments the creature just left us and the lake was still. There were five other people in the boat to confirm this story. You want me to read this one or you want to read it? Uh, yeah, I'll read it. Okay. Uh, Steve Lovely, a DJ with CKLZ Power 104. The The Power. I write the following story, which he said to us after seeing a story about the legend hunters searching for Ogopogo. There were eight of us on a rented boat celebrating my 25th birthday. We are not far from Bear Creek Park around every early afternoon. We stopped to swim near the middle of the lake. I noticed three waves moving throughout the water. They looked humps, almost like when a river goes on over a big boulder with a V shape at the beginning. There were like waves, but nothing going in a straight line. They were sort of moving in a zigzaggy fashion and very fast. As I joke, I yell at the others, it's Ogopogo, look. And as everyone saw it, including my cousin who took a picture with his mobile phone, we started to think that maybe this is not a joke after all. The two people who were swimming got back in their boat, and when we decided to chase the object, it was fast. We were in an eight-man Larson bow rider, and it was hard to keep up with 
the weird waves. They seemed to slow down after about five minutes and we caught up. At that time, we saw what appeared to be three or four of the same exact objects all around the same area, zigzagging around. We didn't think, know what to think and thought that perhaps it was some kind of unexplained but natural phenomenon, although really weird. I don't know what was, what it was, but it was definitely something. Steve goes on to explain that the waves he saw were coming from the large object, the beach part at the front, just below the surface. As seen from a bit of distance, it looked like the hump measured about two and a half feet high and somewhere about three feet wide. Scott Tate writes about a sighting shortly after the end of the forest fires in the uh, Kanawa area. The weather was hot and clear. My wife and I were returning to Vancouver from Alberta, and we stopped at the swimming area in Peachland next to the private marina. What we saw was about 20 feet outside the swimming area and moving south slowly. At first, I thought they were waves from a boat wake, except that they were a little taller than a wave. Also, almost as soon as I spotted it, a wave washed against over it and didn't disturb it. It moved quite slowly south, paralleling to the beach. As it passed the diving tower, it disappeared below the surface for about five seconds and then resurfaced and continued south for about 50 to, or 60 feet before disappearing altogether. The duration of the event was about 90 seconds. The two objects were about 17 to 20 feet long and separa um, separated by five to six feet. The northern one was about four feet closer than the south one, and they moved together perfectly as if two parts of one thing. My first impression was a wave with something rolling inside it. It looked like the second photo you saw on your site from Dan Barbeso, 2001 to 2002, sighting above. I'm not sure I believe in sea monsters or landlocked aquatic dinosaurs, but I can't explain what I saw, and if you can, I'd certainly like to know what it was. On November 11, 2003, Steve Targin writes about a sighting he and his wife had on November 11, 2003, thus after 12 p.m. above Calamora Park. My wife and I were picking up the kids from their grandparents' house. I decided that first we would drive into the new development on Thacker Road to see the new houses. It was no more than 10 degrees Celsius out, and we were both got out of the car to look at the view. We were looking around when we noticed that there was a disturbance on the lake many meters below our vantage point. The whole lake was gray and dead, still a typical depressing colonna stocking. Anyway, there were puffs of condensation that we saw way down in the water. There were very distinct little clouds, and under them, there was a fan shaped disturbance of great size. As the clouds shifted, Solely from now multiple fan-shaped water upsets, we saw a big, big line in the water. It was a co color initially of the edge of thick glass, the aquatic greenish. It was at least the three school buses, mon, and maybe a third wider than a bus. It was moving smoothly and directly towards us. As it approached, it turned slowly to our left and began to dive. We know it was diving because it gradually changed color from the initial green to even darker tone until it finally vanished. Sighting lasted maybe a minute and I let my wife and I, uh, I'm very excited. I left my wife and I very excited. The last impression we both got is that the, it was alive, massive, and not in a hurry. 
Whoever chased those clouds of moisture, I would bet, would have been worth seeing. There's a lot of freaking sightings. Uh, John Caseros took a video of his encounter. He allowed the legend monsters to reproduce um, tills created from his video footage over on the site and had to tell the details of his story. The Crosser family had have been long established in the Kuala area and are well known by many of the city's residents. John Crosser and his family were sleeping on a houseboat on Lake when suddenly at 7.30 a.m. the houseboat began rocking violently, waking everyone. As John reached the deck, he was amazed to see something very large swimming away as he ran to get his video camera and was able to shoot some incredible footage of the object for approximately 15 minutes. The lake was calm, there was no boats in the vicinity, and the family could see a long dark hump rising out of the water. John estimated that the creature was about 125 meters away believes that the object was about 15 meters long and there could have been more than one, which tales with several other reported sites of more than one creature. John feels certain that it would not have been a wave because it wasn't dis dissipating against a description told by several others who have reportedly seen such a creature in Lake uh, Okanagan. Photos... Uh, um, Photo properties of John Carson with exclusive web rights given to the legend hunters for viewing on the OkapogoQuest.com. Not for reproduction without oh, express shit. <laughs> from John Carson and the legend hunters. But we're not at least showing the photos, so it's not that bad. Uh, but a copyright from 2004. Oh, yeah. My bad. So I think I think it's like uh, you have to get your copyright renewed every year. So who knows what if they have or not? But this goes on to two set two thousand seventeen. Uh, two thousand six. Jill Gillette from Peachland writes about a sighting on June twenty seventh, two thousand six, in Summerlin. My husband and I were eating dinner at Jamie's Babe. We were in a restaurant in Summerlin. No. We sat at a lakeside restaurant. I was facing south towards the right side of this cove. I had been watching a person throw something for a golden retriever dog. He was swimming out and fetching it. This went on for a while. Then he left. And the eating was very still, no boats out. The water was flat. Then something in the area. The same area caught my eye. I thought the dog was back. But this thing was a different color and shape. It was straight out of the water, about three feet. I asked my husband, whose back was to it. If there were any seals here in the lake, he said no. They were only in salt water. So I said, "Then what's that?" And at this point, it raised up about five plus feet. Turned up, it appeared to be smooth and the color and texture reminded me of a seal. I was facing away from me, so I did not get a frontal view. It was rounded, not pointed nose like a seal. Then it went straight down again, and suddenly, as it as it had raised, there was no fish. I had sea surgeon in Ontario. This wasn't a surgeon. I would estimate it about 14 inches thick using dog as an estimate. I wish I had brought my camera. Michelle and Gill's view from West Bank took this photo. A farm just below the water south of the... What the fuck is that? I don't know. Um, 
Quinoa Mission area on the east side of Okinawa Lake. The photo was taken from their boat at 2 p.m. The estimated the object was about 20 feet long and approximately 50 feet from their boat. Looks like a freaking dolphin, but it's not. Or a shark. It's not. But I just said it's not. I can't. Oh, you see. can't really tell. It's just a gray blob in the water. Yeah. March 2014, Jeff Cotman Cot from Ontario sent us the following details of his sighting while visiting his son in Peachland. I was taking photos of the lake at Peachland with my iPhone, about 200 feet east of the marina there. I was looking out at the lake when something rose up out of the water and wriggled it and shook its head. The clock animal I saw was about 20 to 30 feet from shore. Head looked like a sea lion or a snake, about a foot long. It was black, shiny, and a long body, perhaps at least 10 or 12 feet long or more. That was on the surface, that is. But it was something that was moving swiftly without any sign of a tail or movement in the body. I assumed there was no body and tail below the water surface. I assumed there was more body and tail below the water surface. If you look at this photograph, you can see that the waves are dangly arranged across the photograph. The long body of the animal may still be as certain as it runs parallel to the bottom and top of the picture. I tried to zoom in on the head with my fingertips for the next photograph and then it went too close of the zoom and lost the image completely. So I lost precious seconds because of this. I got a closer picture of the head in the second photograph and you can see two candidate geese in the frame. You also notice there's more the main body in this picture. It appears to have a much more width than the head, so it's of a considerable width over a foot or so wide. I would say it moved quite fast, then dove immediately after I got the second paragraph. Actually, I kept clicking away instead of zooming in on the head, as you cannot see more of the length of the animal in the second picture. I watched the surface the water for several minutes, but did not reappear. It was very real. Highly unusual in shape and form. I have no idea what it was. I have not, I have not heard about Ogopogo until I got back to my son's place and told him what I had experienced. It was he who told me of the mythical monster of Lake Okanaga. This was not mythical. It was very real. A series of photos was taken on May 24th, 2015 at approximately 6 p.m. Oh, it's cocaine. Hmm? Damn cocaine yeah. While Bill Struck was sitting on the balcony of his Kalawana Cal- uh, uh, condo facing Lake Okanag, the subject popped out of the water about 200 meters from shore. Bill grabbed his camera and took a series of shots. The object stayed in the same spot for almost a full minute, rotating its head as it looked around, at the end of which time it jumped out of the water, displaying its head and a portion of its neck before diving and disappearing beneath the water. We received a very interesting report from Marlene. I was just watching a documentary, documentary about the Ogopogo. They were saying it was sighted close to Rattlesnake Island. So I was looking on Google Earth and I see this thing. It's to the right of the picture going left towards the island. Kind of looks like front flippers as it's going towards the left. Here's the street view facing towards it. It's like two front flippers and two side flippers. 
I can't see anything from it. All right, this is the last one. It's on June 24th, 2017. The sighting was on Lake Okanag halfway between Sacono Beach and the Penantec um, Marina. My wife's son and I were on the boat around 1.30 in the afternoon heading back to the Penantec Marina south. My son was driving as I was watching for stuff in the water. As we were heading south, I told him to watch out for the sea doe uh, ahead as he jumped around and making big waves. My son asked what side should we pass him on. I told him to wait until we got closer as many changed directions. When we started to get closer, 300 feet away, we all noticed that there was no jet ski there. But this object that had three perfect sy symmetrical waves coming off of it. My wife said slow down as she thought it was a kayaker. We slowed down and approached the area and told my wife and son to grab their phones and start taking a video. Now this is the weird part. Not only not one of us had our phones. This never happens. So anyway, the object that was making the big waves disappear disappears. But the waves were huge, bigger than the wake my 20-foot boat was making. They were these perfect three waves rolling away to the east, not the uh, to the west, not to the east. There were no boats in the area, neither either, in a super calm day. So we are not sure what we saw, but the size had to be huge as we thought it was a jet ski jumping around the photo is so vivid in our minds so going to us out a story holy moly that was a lot yeah um so what's our next monster oh or not Oh, old monster story. Oh, Lord. Shortly after I arrived up to Squamish to be with my mother, we would be at someone's home when there were many children. In the evening, the children would continue running in and out of the house, and several times I would hear one of the parents say, You children had better come in and be quiet. If not, the Kalakilakilla will come and take you all away. I noticed that children would all become quiet. So one night, after one of these visits, I asked my mother, Why were the children so afraid of the word Kalakakukil? Mother said, And long ago, there was supposed to be a huge woman who used to roam around the woods. She had her, her home away up in the mountains. In the evening, or even in the daytime, but mostly in the evening, she would come prowling around the villages, looking for some disobedient children playing around outside. Calicula, uh, sorry. We butchered these names. Always had a great big basket strapped on her back, and she would grab the children, throw them into the basket, and take off for home up in the mountains, where she would kill and eat the children. She's supposed to be a cannibal woman. This is how my mother described the word Calicula to me. So continue to by saying, in the days when we were children, we used to hear a lot of different stories which were supposed to be true. It was said that all children were warned that they were never to be accept anything from a stranger for fear it was no good. So children always obeyed their parents. But it is said that one night, quite a number of children were left home alone as their parents were invited out. 
Children were hungry and crying. There were several bigger children with the little ones. And one of the, these children were Tekasitin, a boy from Tiki, from Tiki for sure. Because someone said I put a seven in the font. Oh, we wrote this other type. A boy in his early teens. A yeah, boy in his early teens. He was a great carver. He always had a sharp knife in his possession. That night, as children were being left alone, they were unable to stop the younger children from crying. All of a sudden, a huge woman walked into the house. In her hands, she had some dry, clear, dry cedar, and she approached the hungry, crying children. She stretched out her hand, obtained the cedar bark, and said, Here, children, take this dry salmon. When the children, when the children in this hunger, when the child in his hunger reached out to take the supposed dry salmon, a camel woman grabbed his hand and threw him into the basket that was strapped to her back. She took all of her little, little and some of the bigger ones, including Tiki. She struck off of her home in the mountains. Don't marry me. Uh, no. Um, um, done with his hand. Then, with his hand knife, um, Tiki started to cut a hole in the bottom of the basket. When the hole was large enough, he started to drop a, little ones out one by one, told them to go home. And each child would hit the ground with a thump. The Kalil would say, What was that, Tiki? And Tiki would say, It was nothing, Grandmother. It is only your heels that are thumping. So he continued to walking until she arrived at her home. She laid the basket down on the ground. She started a big fire and started to melt some pitch to seal the eyes of the children so they would be unable to see should they try to escape. As she, as she was melting the pitch, Tiki told all the children that, she, that as she started to smear the pitch on their eyes, that they were to close their eyes real hard and as soon as the spelling is so bad, as soon as leaves them, they that they are not to put their heads down and as she leaves them they are not to put their heads down and open their eyes once their eyes are open they were able to close it just so it would not again get sealed so when the cannibal woman came with the pitch each of each one done tiki had told them to do and sure enough it worked when the cannibal woman finished smearing the eyes of the children she spoke to skull which was rolling on the ground and continued on laughing then she sat down and started to paint her face in preparation of dancing to celebrate the great feast she was going to have. And as she went out for a while, Tiki told the other children to be ready if she, the cannibal woman, came between them and the fire. They were to all jump and stove her into the, uh, shove her into the fire, for the fire was not on ground level, it was in a pit. When she came in, she started to dance, and while she was dancing, the skull kept laughing and rolling on the ground. She danced on the opposite side of the fire from the children. Then Tiki said, Come closer, Tanas, Grandma, as you, as you are dancing. She does so. She came between the children and the fire. They all jumped and shoved her into the rolling hot fire that she had going. As soon as her hair hit the fire, the lice, lice on her head went up like a big puff of smoke. So after that, there used to be a bunch of small birds that fly straight upwards, and they were referred to as the lice of the cannibal woman. She hit the fire. She screamed, Tiki, come help. 
and help me. Tiki had the fire tongs and he kept pushing her further and further um, in the fire. And he kept saying, I'm trying to help you. The skull kept rolling around, almost tripping some of the children. As it came close to Tiki, he gave it a kick and it landed in the fire. Even at that, the children could still hear it laughing. So Tiki gathered the children and brought them all home. Hey, at least he saved the children. That's the main point. It could have been a lot worse. They could have all been eaten. This is male privileged propaganda. <sighs> but it's like you should listen to what your parents tell you, though. Yeah. They tell you not to take stuff from strangers, and they tell you to be quiet for a good reason. Yeah. It's like. Took him by a giant lady in your basket it's kind of like Halloween you have to sort through all the candy because you never know what with the open wrappers what people put in them uh, I heard it's, it's a myth it can be but you, you never know you can't really trust people and especially it's getting worse this day and age but yeah um, thank you for listening and don't forget to check out Red Bubble for all the new merch that has come out. Yes. Um, we would really appreciate that. Shirts, hoodies, tote masks, bags, tote bag, cups. Anything you can think of, especially with the holidays coming around. Okay. Want to send some art over? Or leave some comments or see what you guys would like to hear, what you like us to do, especially during live streams and different things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Overwatch. Let's go Overwatch. <laughs> yes, we both started playing Overwatch together. We love the Halloween. I'm sad that it's about to end. Yes. I need to get my diva skin. Um, and just so you guys are aware, we are going to be coming out with a new podcast with me and Tanner. Um, it's going to be called Mythical Races. And I hope you guys will check it out when we first release our episode. Yes, I think... I, I, are you want to work on it? Mm-hmm. I see you've got your notes out. I'm uh, debating on it. Debate. What do you think about it? I'm debating if we should record an episode or not. Or if we should go watch a movie. I'm heading towards movie. I'm heading towards movie too. But keep a look on for that. I might put a, a little clip out on uh, Anchor explaining what the podcast will be about. And I hope you guys will be interested. It's kind of similar to what Tanner does on Monster Legends. It's going to be... Sorry, what? Monster Legend. Monster Legend Podcast. There you go. Legends is... is okay. There's, uh, it was Monster Legends. Then there's Monster Legends. So, okay, look at here. Okay, I don't need the difference. Okay. Uh, again, his podcast is similar to what we're going to be doing. He talks about monsters and cryptoids. We'll be talking about gods, goddesses, different types of fairies, yeah. fae. Etc. I'll get in more when I do the first clip. Also, if um, scheduling willing, I should be getting interviewing another great Canadian. I have him on here before. If I can find him, Jason Hewlett from We Want to Believe. He's coming back. Nice. That should be an interesting one. Anything that you guys are specifically going to talk about? Or are you not Just, sure yet? Oh, uh, we're talking about like, stuff in British Columbia. Oh, more about British Columbia, what we just did? Yeah, I'll talk about his, 
Is he, oh, I think he has a dollhouse coming up. Episode coming out on, you know what to believe? Nice. I'm gonna talk about that. It should be coming out about the same time we get interviewed together. But yeah, check that out and. Okay. Leave us a like, comment, follow, check out the YouTube channel. Definitely check out the merch. And we will see you guys next Tell week. your friends about it. Just yeah, definitely spread spread the news. Spread the news. It's a good, that's the best way to help me. Yep. Definitely want to support small uh, entrepreneurs. Yes. But I hope you guys have a great time this week. Hope work goes smoothly. And Tanner, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Are you looking for a new adventure? Did you ever want to visit the city where all your nightmares reside? Well, you're in luck! Join us, your tour guides, Christine and Jen, to visit Nopeville, where you will be personally escorted on an all-inclusive trip through the city and see all possibilities of terror and fright. You'll see all sorts of things on your tours, including, but definitely not limited to, the paranormal, true crime, the supernatural, and more. If you're into all that and enjoy a little dark humor, book your tour today and nope right along with us. Check us out on our website at nopevillepodcast.com to see where you can listen to Nopeville today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Monster Legend Podcast. Hope you were able to find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We also have our own website at monsterlegendpodcast.com. If you'd be so kind to please leave a review and subscribe and let me know what I can do to make this show better for you. If you have any stories you'd like to submit or you'd like to be a guest, send me an email or a DM but I hope you do one thing that's really important and have a great day thank you cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin hey good morning you're heading to the airport right yeah thanks for checking I like the car how long have you been a rideshare driver about three years now I really enjoy it isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high not for me I use Upside the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy wait a minute are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app yep I get real cash back every time I get gas does that actually add up to anything I'll make around 200 to 300 dollars wow that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.